Welcome back, listeners, to the Listen In podcast. It is episode 172, April 1st of 2020. Jake and Sean are here in the midst of the COVID-19 coronavirus outbreak. We are both on lockdown. We are both recording this podcast remotely for the first time ever. This is the first time we have not been in the same room to record. Jake, what are your thoughts during this trying time? Well, it's like we were just saying before we uh, counted us down here to the to the start of the episode. This could be the last one because we are using Ring Central right now. My employers <laughs> Zoom meetings. This is not I, my employer's choice for uh, <laughs> teleconferencing. Is this like the budget version of like Zoom? It's. I think it. I think it actually is like technically the paid version of zoom okay because i was gonna say this interface looks exactly the same thank you yes it's the exact same and we had someone we had like a partner we worked with at one point who used zoom this is the most boring content of all time so i'll, I'll a vendor <laughs> it was a vendor it was a vendor partner. <laughs> um, needless to say covid19 has driven us to close madness here um if you want a full breakdown of how we are dealing with lockdown and semi-quarantine, please stick around for the after show. Uh, we go into detail about that. Um, Jake, I, I, I don't even know where to begin because the month of March um, at once felt like any other month. And then by the end of it, felt like it was never going to end. It is maybe one of the weirdest months I have ever been alive, if not the weirdest month. Um, however, it was an incredibly strong music month, despite the tour cancellations, despite some of the new albums being pushed out or pushed back or not released. We still had an abundance of great new releases that we're going to talk about in this episode. Where would you like to begin? Well, I just want to say, first of all, thank I'm thankful that this pandemic is occurring in an age of streaming mm. where we can, you know, not even just only music, but entertainment for those of us who are on lockdown and have, you know, frankly, the privilege to, yeah. to afford a streaming service of any kind. But yeah, you, like, like you said, it has been a sort of a, a boon for music. It's been a really good month and there's, there's a lot to get to and sort of like, this is a weird group of albums where I have like, I have yeah. takes on some, I have really strong feelings about some and then there's others that I've enjoyed that have been pleasant that I have, I have less to say about, I would say. Um, I mean, I think we should start with the Jay Electronica album. I think we should too. And before we do that, I want to ask you, what has your relationship to music been over this last month because I know in the past when crazy shit's happening, I think you and I both use music as, as a balm or as a comforting presence for that. I would still say that's been true. I, I've been separating my music enjoyment from the headlines and from what is happening out there. Yes. But at the same time, I think you can't help but have some of it seep in and inform your experience. And there's, there's a couple albums that came out, especially recently over the last couple weeks that I think I am finding specific coronavirus solace in, but for the most part, 
I think I've been able to separate the two. So when I get into my deep dive segment that I've decided I'm doing at the later half of latter half of this episode, I'm going to get to this, but my relationship to music has been stronger than usual during this time, actually. Um, And and by that, I mean specifically my relationship to listening to music um, where I have felt like there are certain situations where usually I would turn to a podcast, like even on a a drive um, where I'm like, you know what? all I can really take right now is, is some music and, you know, certain bands, certain artists really have been doing it for me. And, you know, you say balm and, and like sort of a soothing element. (laughs) Yeah. That's there. It's, it's also something of a distraction, but it's also like, it's just nice to kind of exist in a different modality or something where it's like, it's a different plane where there's, it's not about logic. It's not about, you know, following some through line of a story or of information. It's music doesn't operate that way. And so in that way, it's been very, I have had like a stronger, you know, connection with it, I think in the last month. That's interesting. That's interesting. That's good to hear. You know, it's weird because I think I have developed such a specific habit around my music listening. It's almost on, it's been unwavered during this time. Like I still, every single Friday, I'm like, what's, what are the new releases? What am I listening to? And you know, what are the albums that I want to go back and listen to? And I've weirdly been able to completely separate that from any of the stuff that's happening right now. Um, It's interesting you bring up podcasts too, because I have struck a pretty even balance between the two where I'm still listening to podcasts at the time I would normally be listening to podcasts. Same goes for music. Um, and I think that kind of speaks to the wider power of, of both in particular music though, that it's like, this is something that I think is fundamentally human that can always get you through whatever you might be going through. Um, and I think it's probably an important thing for everyone to, to be interacting with at this point, to be quite honest with you. And yes, we are a music podcast is a huge part of our lives, but I do think that music is fundamentally human and can be a healing, um, uh, thing in people's lives. So that, that's interesting and good to hear that that has been there for you. Um, and yes, I think March has been an exceptionally strong month. I think it's been the strongest month album release wise in 2020. Uh, I would like to start with this Jay Electronic album, Jake. Yeah, let's do it. This is maybe my album of the year so far. Let oh, me yeah. start it there. I'm going to start it there. Um, so, yeah, it is definitely up there for me as well. The first couple weeks I had with this album were very, very strong. And the mm-hmm. connection I had to it, were it was incredibly potent. And some other albums have come along, some other listening habits I've fallen into over the past couple weeks have distracted from it, but I listened again today. It's still excellent. But the first, I would say like 10 listens to this thing. Holy shit. Like I haven't felt that engrossed and taken in by a new album in in actually a while. You nailed it. So I think as we get a little bit older, the longer we do this podcast, the more that we're just sort of in the week to week grind of listening to new albums it's really easy to forget how exciting it can be to have an album that comes out that just completely 
you're absorbed in, takes you by surprise, that just grabs you and is like, this, it, this goes beyond you just trying to listen to what's new or stay informed. This is like a moment. This is yep. a moment for you. And that's what this album was immediately, immediately for me when it came out. Um, checked it out, the first track, The Overwhelming Event. And it's this amazing intro into Ghost of Soldier Slim that just bangs. I didn't know Jay-Z was featured on like almost every single song on this album. Yeah. Listening, I was like, what? That's Jay-Z? Like, what? Who? Who is Jay Electronica? How did he get Jay-Z? And like, there's this whole backstory. And for anyone who doesn't know, Jay Electronica has kind of been this like underground presence over the last, what, like 10, 15 years even. Never put out an album. Finally puts it out. A lot of the lyrics and sort of the story behind it is like Jay-Z and like uh, Puff daddy p diddy whatever the fuck we're calling sean combs now was like hey man you got to put this out like you know it's needed man it's needed (laughs) scriptures you know like all that shit is here on this album and it's just like i was so blown away in track by track i was just like ghost of soldier slim holy shit oh my god we have my guy travis on the blinding then i think maybe the two best back-to-back songs that I've heard on an album in a very long time with Universal Soldier and Flux Capacitor in the middle of this album. They do the Rihanna sample from Higher on Flux Capacitor. It is layered. This song, like, how many layers are that? Like, it's like six or seven layers. Yeah. There's so much here. I was so taken by this album immediately. And that is actually a very rare thing. Yeah. It's a really rich album sort of sonically. So I had an interesting experience with it where you had recommended it. You were like, you really got to listen to this. And it was a few days until I did. And based on the album art, which is this, I, I love the kind of album art it is where it has this, like it's mostly white cover with just a slim image of like trees along water and these like Arabic sort of symbols around it. Marcy or something. I don't even know. What. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably offensive that I said Arabic. But <laughs> or yeah. <laughs> I don't, who knows? Yeah. I, Cause I'm just making an assumption. I, I don't know how to ex- say this except that exactly what I hoped this album would sound like it did. Yes. Yeah. I almost like weirdly knew intuitively and was prepared to be disappointed when it didn't sound that way. And then it did. So like a song like the never ending story yeah. which has those big soaring kind of like synthy sounds with the voices or a uh, universal soldier with the really sort of chill wave production under it. Yep. Um, the production is exactly like what I want out of a rap album. For the most part, it has this kind of lived in just slightly lo-fi, but also like almost a little ambient and experimental, yep. maybe jazzy in places. It's you totally know, the vibe I was looking for. I completely agree. The production spot on, the samples spot on, everything. Like, take away Jay Z and JLX rapping, and just if, if this was just like the beats in the production, this would still be an amazing album. It reminds me a bit of how I felt when I listened to Daytona the first few times. Yeah. I was like, this is like everything I want from a rap album in terms of production and how it sounds like 
those soul samples and just kind of like that lived in feel you were talking about. But I think a written testimony takes that feeling and just blows it out to the nth degree in the maximum proportion. And it kind of gives you everything you want. It has the soul samples. It has sort of like the pop stuff. It has that kind of uh, relaxing chill wave. Then at the very end, it even like has some almost like these like guitar uh, riffs and stuff. And I guess Brian Emo, you know, Robert Fripp were involved in this album. A lot of big names involved across the board. Like I didn't really, I, I knew of the name Jay Electronica before this. I didn't know he had an instant classic in him like this. And I truly think that's what this is. Same here. I didn't even really know who the guy was. I knew the name and it was one of those names that I saw floated around all the time that I was just like, Oh yeah. Jay electronica. Like I, I recognize that that's a person in music that like probably I should get acquainted with. I didn't even realize when you told me that he didn't have a previous album. This is his only nope. full length album. He has like a couple. I, I didn't either. A couple tapes, a couple yeah. like singles. Singles. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, it's it's yeah. quite a statement. It, it's been, it's interesting. It hasn't gotten quite the level of critical acclaim I expected when it first came out that I thought it would. Like it got a best new music in Pitchfork on the sort of medium-ish end. Yeah. 8.4, I think. Yep. I did expect higher, personally. So um, did I. The needle drop gave it like a 4 out of 10 or something, a 6. That's absurd. No. I thought so, no. too. I thought it was crazy. I take most of what he says with a grain of salt anyways. Here's, here's what I'll say about the needle drop. Yeah. This is, I maybe have made this point before. A peer. Anthony Fantano of ours. Right. Yes. In some ways, some ways sort of uh, someone who has looked up to us in our craft. Yeah. Yeah. Um, If he, if he feels the same way I do about an album, I'm all in on watching the whole video. (laughs) Like if if I look and it's like, if he reviewed this and he gave it a nine, I would have been like, I'm going to watch this whole 15 minute video and like, just kind of revel in him very articulately explaining why it's so good. But when he disagrees with me, I don't watch it. I completely agree with you. Um, I have less patience for him than you do and others do. Um, but I do respect him. And the last thing I'll say on this is Easy is fantastic on this album and I think actually makes it um, in a lot of ways. And it's interesting because you mentioned it took a couple days for you to listen to this. And I was like, yeah, man, like Jay-Z is featured heavily on this. And you said... Is it weird I am more interested in this than an actual Jay-Z album? Mm -hmm. Couldn't agree more. I actually did go back and listen to 444, which I think is great. So did I. I think think this is the best thing I've ever heard Jay-Z do. Is that crazy? No, well, I mean, I, so. Heresy? well, first of all, I'm not informed enough. I don't think either of us are to say no. whether that's crazy. Neither of us are really that steeped in Jay-Z's lore mm-hmm. or know all that much about his catalog. I will say that like this album, in some ways, the, the, the Jay Electronica one, a written testimony, gave me some kind of like groundwork or foundation from which I was more comfortable trying to listen to another Jay-Z album. And the, I've listened to 444 twice now, and both times... I was like, this is really good. And it's like kind of this older, slightly more mature Jay-Z vibe going on. Um, And I I, I think what I've identified with him is that he has this flow. 
this is probably like literally entry level shit to say about Jay Z. <laughs> we are not qualified. Yeah. No, we're not. Again, I, I'm not an expert. Don't know a lot about him. Disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. <laughs> As someone who is just kind of like discovering what I like about Jay Z, he raps really like no one else does. Yeah. Like it's in this way where it's almost kind of just more like poetry. Yeah. Like literally, he kind of he, like almost just like talking in some ways, but like, uh-huh. cause he does it in this kind of like rambling, bubbling, not even like, it's not in the pocket. It's not on the beat. No. Kind of like around it and just exists with it. Yep. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And I, I do think there's more time that needs to be spent by both of us with Jay-Z to give it a take. But in terms of like, Hey, do you want an amazing rap album that's exceptionally produced and wrapped over? Check out a written testimony by Jay Electronica. Um, yep. So Jake, before we get into some of these other great albums that came out, let's do a couple new tracks. Um, Frank Ocean, he teased some new tracks that were vinyl only releases a few months ago. Those vinyls finally shipped um, and those tracks have made their way online. So we have Dear April and Cayendo, which are the two new tracks from him. Uh, I listened to both of them once. Did you have any thoughts? I listened to both of them once. They were recordings of vinyl records that were yep. spinning. Yep. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to listen one time, and then I'm not going to listen again until I can listen to this like in a real format. With a, with a good digital copy, yeah. Yeah, but it's very – so two, two observations or, or sort of comments. One, it's very exciting that he's releasing more music. Two, in the picture of the vinyl that went out, the artwork for the song titles is the same as DHL, is the same mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. In My Room with that kind of like exploding comic font. Yes, like the comic book font. Yep, yep. Uh, I use that too. That is very exciting. As I love in, that. This is sort of a thematic thing, almost like an album perhaps. Who knows? <laughs> Some might say. I agree. I listened once. They were both like rips of the vinyl. Um, I will listen much, much more when we get an actual digital copy. Yeah. I really liked it though, both of them, for being just rips of a vinyl um it reminded me it was almost like a mix of some of the tracks on blonde that don't have drums and were kind of just like those flowing tracks with some of like the experimental um sort of mystical nature of uh endless uh so i i (laughs) <laughs> basically they're wheelhouse Frank Ocean tracks. Uh, so yeah. I enjoyed them. I really, really liked them. The other new track, Jake, that came out, and I don't know if you got a chance to listen to this. Bob Dylan went viral as fuck last week with a new track called Murder Most Foul. Uh, it's a 17 minute, uh, I don't even know. It, Story is greed. Screed is probably the best way to describe this. Uh, about the JFK assassination. And, and about a lot of other stuff. A lot of other things. A lot of other things. I didn't know in the year 2020, in the midst of a, an international pandemic, that Bob Dylan could still carry this much weight. And he does. And it's like weirdly the thing we needed. It's sort of thrilling is in a way. And it, I think part of what you're speaking to where it's the thing we needed has to do with something of like 
look, this guy's been around. He's seen a lot. He's documented it all. He's still standing. Yeah. And like, it's interesting because he, I, I get the sense that he wrote that tweet that accompanied the song, which is not common with him. It's not like he's on Twitter actively, but he wrote this thing where he was like, to my fans who supported me through the years, like, and he was like blessings from God or whatever. He said, like, I think he's a pretty spiritual guy. Um, And he wrote this sort of heartfelt thing about like, I think that this is a song we recorded way back that just didn't make it on anything that I think you might find interesting. It is really interesting. It's It's a cool song. Fascinating. I've only listened one time. I've listened once too. And this, I, I wouldn't say this is a song that you're going to be going back to and putting it on your best of 2020. Yeah. Best and like hitting it up on shuffle in the car all the time. Like that's uh, what this is. It's not positively fourth street. <laughs> no, this is more in the vein of like sad eyed lady of the lowlands or like uh, Joey bro, or Joey. It's better than Joey. This is better than Joey. I will say. I mean, I've listened one time. This is like a weird mix of, <laughs> I love that you're leaving the door open for Joey to be better than this song. I think A Murder Most Foul is, um, is better than Joey, but it's in the same vein. It's a, it's a meandering story song. A lot of great turns of phrase on here. I didn't know Dylan still had this much cachet in 2020 to be like, like dominating the conversation for a full day online. Yeah, it was really interesting. What's that? Music-wise, I mean. Like, you know, you got thousands dying in New York City, and that that's the real headline. But among music, Twitter, I mean. It feels like that's part of the reason we needed it, in a way. I agree. I agree. Yeah, totally. Um, and it's just kind of good to hear, like, hey, someone like Bob Dylan's still alive and kicking. He's doing his thing. And yes. he's sort of, like, still lovely – uh, idiosyncratic and is just going to kind of like I guess he's like an amateur historian now <laughs> he always has been in a way yeah he has so next album Jake I, I want to dive back into Hot Thoughts and I just mentioned Jay Electronica the written testimony might be my album of the year so far here's one that's giving it a run Waxahachie St. Cloud I think this album is fantastic I did not know Katie Crutchfield had this in her. I did not know I could enjoy a Waxahachie album this much. And this is a guy who's been aware and listening to Waxahachie since the, what, early 2010s. Cerulean Salt was the first one I listened to in 2013. I was like, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. There's some decent tracks on there. Checked out Ivy Trip in 2015. And by the time Out in the Storm came out in 2017, I was like, you know, maybe maybe Waxahachie just isn't going to be my favorite artist. All of a sudden, St. Cloud comes out in 2020. It is this amazing blend of indie rock alt country uh, that is channeling t- Tom Petty as much as uh, Alanis Morissette. And... I, I couldn't be more in love with this album. I, I think this is fantastic. I think a song like Fire, Lilacs, Witches, I think those are three of the best rock songs that I have heard uh, this year or or over the last couple years. I've been incredibly impressed with this. What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, I, I, I think mostly my takeaway right now is, is similar to your first point of like, I didn't think Waxahachie was going to be an artist I was ever going to really care about. I had tried with other albums that were supposed to be great. And I was like, yeah, they're, they're good. I, I, I don't dislike this. I can tell that she's doing something. It's not anything that I can't get a better version of somewhere else for me personally. Right. Um, but I agree that she's hit on something here that feels, it feels like she's tapped into in a way that artists sometimes do some form of purity of songwriting, some kind of simplicity that is inherent in the kind of like trappings of country music or, or Americana music or folk music or whatever. Um, so I totally agree. I think she's, she stumbled into some kind of like little moment of truth here where like, this is kind of a defining record for her. Yeah. And, and the big storyline coming out of this uh, was it's like her sober record. And it's interesting that this has become a narrative for more than one album that's come out over the last couple of years. I think the most recent one other than this Waxahachie was the new Best Coast album. Um, Katie Crutchfield has kind of gone down that same road. And I think maybe, and this is something that I think she alluded to is some of the most honest and raw songwriting that she has had. And I think that really comes across. Um, it comes across both, like, I think lyrically probably, and also just in the form of the music, the kind of music. Yeah. Which has to do, I think, with what I was getting at, even though I didn't know it was a sober album. But, it, but there is a certain, in the simplicity of the, the way the music's recorded and the kinds of instrumentation that are on here, I think that, that that kind of is reflective of something that is trying to get that across. So that's really interesting. I actually didn't know it had anything to yeah. do with sobriety. Was she like struggling with addiction or something? No, no, not necessarily. I think it was more just kind of like, um, I just want to do this. I think this is the right thing for me to do. And that's an interesting in between where I think a lot of artists uh, now who are putting out music who are around our age are sort of recognizing the, um, it's not an A and B thing. It's not like I'm either an addict and it's ruining my life and I need to stop this. It's sort of like a, well, maybe I could benefit 10%, 15% from this and I'm going to give it a try. I, I, I think it's a more honest and sort of like, um, it's a more nuanced way of approaching it, which is the way I feel like Katie Crutchfield, Best Coast, some others have been approaching it. Uh, very interesting. I, I think sometimes maybe the narrative that comes out of that is a little bit misplaced where you can say, oh, this is a great record because they're sober. I think that's too easy of a music writer narrative. And I think actually maybe diminishes the music itself or the sobriety itself or vice for whatever, however you want to uh, slice that I, I think can be misleading. Um, so I don't read too much into like, Oh, it's a sober record. I think it's just a great record. Um, but I think that's a part of the story example. I think it's like when, I don't know, Bob Dylan put out John Wesley Harding post uh, motorcycle accident or, or something like that. It's like, it's a piece of it, but it's not the story. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but I've had a friend, big shout to Brian from UNH, if for any reason he's listening to this, um, who Why I remember, wouldn't like, he be? Yeah. I remember at one point after college, he, he told me, he's like, yeah, I just stopped drinking completely. I'm sober. And I was like, oh, like, was it a problem? He's like, no, I just feel better. He's like, I just knew I'd feel better. That is, I think, something 
it's not the sexiest story to tell, uh, but I think that's actually the reality for most people is, I just better. It's, uh, it's not worth it to me. I think the issue I have with it personally, not that I, it really matters and we don't even have to get into this, but like, I, it's not like I, like for me, like I, I would never commit to being like, I am steadfastly sober yeah. and will never touch alcohol because I think my, I, I, the amount of alcohol I consume is so minimal that it's like when I want it, why put this this arbitrary right. thing in place? Right, right. And I, no, I, I I totally understand that, and I think it's everyone's decision to to do what is right for them. I think when it comes to the music industry, I think there is a romanticization of art coming out of pain and art coming out of addiction or substance abuse, and I also think. Um, being on tour and playing shows and being in that world lends itself to maybe trending into areas that are unhealthy or abusive. So I get it. Um, but I don't think it's the full story here. I think the full story is this is an awesome album. I've been listening to it a ton. It is some of the best songs of the year on it. I will be very interested to see where this ends up ranking for me by the end of the year. Yeah, I think it's going to creep its way up there for me too. Um, and had it not been for a few other artists having like big time, I've had like these big deep runs with other artists in the last few weeks. This album would have gotten more play, but it, I've, I've listened to it a handful of times already. Definitely enjoying it all, already at this point. You know, it made me think um, you've had a couple forays into alt country, alt country indie whatever over the last couple of years and i'm thinking of people like um <laughs> and i'm blanking on both their names jenny lewis last yep. year and then uh of course what's her name your album Casey musgraves Casey musgraves yeah or pine grove and i was or or even pine grove and i think this has been a trend over the last few years which i really really like i think if you spend even a little bit more time with this jake you'll be like oh this scratching that itch well and that's the thing is like i have been really really liking it yeah. i just get the sense that i've listened less than you so far yeah um but yeah totally i i absolutely see that um and i more and more have realized how much i love that kind of music like even wilco or like some of the jeff tweedy mm-hmm. stuff that's out there yep um man it, it's a really rewarding genre actually country music yes. like yes. outside of the way it's been politicized and the way it's been po- polarized yes. you know in musical shout community. out shout out Di- dixie chicks big shout big big shout <laughs> i'm not ready to make it nice <laughs> um okay jake clear the lane because i'm about to go iso on little uzi vert okay new record Let's hear this eternal a take um this album is so much better than it deserves to be or anyone would think that it is. So I actually hadn't listened to too much Lil Uzi Vert before this album came out, but as you and the listeners all know, I have been a slave to the trap music scene for the last couple of years. Um, You're, you are our embedded reporter I, in the trap music I am, music scene. I am. You're, you're, on the front front lines. you're yes. like uh, Bob Woodruff. Um, Thank you. During, uh, during the Iraq war. But with more credibility and I'm in more danger. I think he got like really severely injured. Uh, <laughs> Whoops. In Iraq. Okay. Lil Uzi Vert, Eternal Take. This album 
20 something songs or roughly uh no like 18 songs it's like over an hour but it doesn't feel that long this album jake is the 2020 equivalent of astro world by travis scott this is future rap future pop future pop rap blended into one um it's stupidly catchy the production is not just the typical um, hi-hat kind of tinny drums and booming bass of normal trap music. This is doing different, interesting stuff. It samples I Want It That Way by the fucking Backstreet Boys from one of the highlights, which is just a bonus track, first of all. Um, I think songs like Celebration Station, Chrome Heart Tags, Urgency. The second half of this album, starting with Celebration Station and going through uh, that way, is one of the best stretches of pop rap I have ever heard in my life. This album is, it's so impressive. I cannot stop listening. It is packed with earworms. Um, It's like the completely dark side version of Astro World, which was already kind of a hazy, weird, dark album. It's like the perfect, it, it, this is the perfect 2020 album. Now, do you, if I can interject, do you think you're going to end up liking it as much as you liked Astro World? That seems like it would be a pretty high bar. That's a great question. And it's one that I've asked myself. No, the answer is no. Um, it is so dedicated to what it is it almost can't be anything more than what it is where I think Astro World was. And I think Astro World transcended um, the genre. I think Astro World transcended uh, just what it was in a way that eternal take can't. Um, that being said though, I think for what it is, it is incredibly strong and deserves a lot of praise. And even if this isn't your typical genre or artist is very worth checking out because there's going to be stuff on here that you end up really liking. Okay. Yeah. So now I've listened to this album one and a half times. Exactly. Okay. Um, and I mean, I like it fine. I think what I, you know, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, uh, and it may be more listens will re- would reveal more. I have been very much not at all in the mood. And also, I, I, I think it's good that we have you as the embedded correspondent. That's why I'm here. Exactly. And we can have you report back to us here in the studio because I, I, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own up to something right now that has become readily apparent to me. I have a blind spot for trap. Yeah. yeah. It's just there's some he, part of my brain. Deal. Go ahead. I, a few thoughts. I, trap I'm using as a catch-all term here because I actually think this – could be categorized a lot of ways outside of it. Um, I think some people would scoff at that and say, no, this is pure trap, but there's nuance here. Second of all, Lil Uzi Vert not only put out Eternal Take, but I think two weeks later put out a, a, a second album of bonus tracks that were basically, it was like 75% features. So Eternal Take has almost no features. It's just Lil Uzi. This other one, Lil Uzi versus the World Part Two, or Love versus the World Part Two, 
um, has a lot of features like Chief Keef, Future, Young Thug, Gunna, like all those guys are there. It's not as good. The vision he put forth on Eternal Take, he was almost like, no, I am just like bursting at the seams with songs that I can just own and run with. And then I'll put out this other one as kind of like the fun, boost my streaming numbers stuff. Now, there's still quality on Love versus the World Part 2, but the main course is Eternal Take. Um, that's a massive flex to put out basically like 40 songs in two weeks. Um, Incredible. Here, here's what I would recommend for anyone who's like, ah, you know, I have a blind spot for this. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to start with. What I would do is take, take bits and pieces, take a few songs here and there. I think a song like Celebration Station is, a, is an absolute highlight. Then I would go like Chrome Heart Tags. Then I would go Urgency. Then just take that right up to P2, which is a remake, Jake. It's like the same version of Exo Tour Life um, that was like his hit single. It has over a billion streams on Spotify. He basically was like, I'm going to do that same version. Just call it P2 and do different lyrics. Um, rather than all my friends are dead, he goes, fucking with your head, messing with your head. It's just like, it's the same song <laughs> and different lyrics. But you're like, fuck yeah, this song still bangs. Then the last two tracks, the bonus tracks, Futsal Shuffle, um, and then That Way are both cannot miss. So start small. Start with those six songs, whatever. Absolutely. If, you, if you're not hooked by those, you're probably not going to be hooked by other ones. But so the station and onward. You should, you should hook me up with a playlist of this stuff. I will. Of like, of like a real lean playlist. I, I will do that. I will do that because I, I, I think there's stuff here that's worth listening to. Um, so I will put that together. Um, and as, as I say that, Sean, I have to piss so bad. I'm just going to leave it recording. Okay. Let me I'll tee find off later. here on this new Half Wave album while you're peeing. Tee off? Yeah. I'll, I'll just monologue on Half Wave. Okay. Okay. Right. Jake's going to go pee. So another album that came out over the past week that I had been really looking forward to going into 2020 was the new half album. Um, so this is Nandy Rose Plunkett. She had been a member of Pine Grove up until a couple years ago. She's been putting out music under the moniker Halfway for the last couple years. And her album that came out in, I believe it was, yeah, 2018, Lavender, was a real highlight. I really, really liked that album. Um, and I've been really looking forward to this new one called The Caretaker that has come out uh, this past week. So I'm getting major Kate Bush vibes from this one, especially the first song, Clouds Rest. There's even references to like running up the hill or things like that. Um, but I think this album is probably the one that I've associated with COVID-19 and lockdown the most. Um, and the Pitchfork review actually did a really good job of summing this up today where it talked about how this is an album of someone who wants to take care of themselves, wants to do what's right, but kind of life gets in the way. Um, and for better or worse, relationships are put to the side or there's challenges that come up because of the difficulties 
kind of of everyday life. And there's a lot of lyrics on here that are sort of um, eerily prescient to the situation we're in now. And I'm thinking of a track like Blinking Light that talks about, um, you know, I'll, I'll be better by June or something like that, um, even if I don't mean to or something along those lines. So this is sort of like a, a synth pop uh, vibe. It really builds on some of the stuff that was on Lavender. I, I continue to be impressed by, by the Half-Wave uh, output. Um, I would really highly recommend this album. And Jake is back now. And I, if I haven't gotten a chance to listen to this, I, I highly recommend it. I've been listening to this quite a bit. I would say of the new albums that have come out recently, um, it's J Electronica, it's Waxahachie, and then honestly, it's this Halfway album. So. Okay. I did listen for the first time today. Thank you for that filibuster. I was just flat out not going to make it. Yep. I, I had a realization. Um, yeah, I listened today. I, I thought it was pretty good. I, it's weird with Halfway. I, I came to this realization today while I was listening that somehow or other, I got really into that Probable Depths album she put out in 2016. And, and, and for whatever reason, I haven't connected to or really latched onto an album since then, even though by any other account, they've only improved other people's in other people's esteem and other people's opinion it seems like half-wave has only been on an upward trajectory since then you know it's funny you bring up that probable depths uh kind of ep or it's shorter it's more abbreviated album that came out in 2016 because i remember you were pretty into that and i was like yeah I, I couldn't i couldn't get into it i know Avender came out in 2018 i was all about it and um i you weren't as did you listen to lavender as much I listened to Lavender a fair amount, but didn't get as into it. Okay, because I actually had a nice little groove with it. I, I go back to that album, not frequently, but not not infrequently. <laughs> and I, I actually think uh, The Caretaker is right in line with Lavender in terms of quality. So, yeah, I, I, I like it. If you've been in on her, if you've been listening to her, I think the four highlights are Ordinary Talk um, in August – Halogen 2, and then Blinking Light. Blinking Light might be the strongest. Um, so yeah, there's good stuff here. Highly recommend checking it out. Well, do you want to talk about this Dogleg album, Sean? Yeah, let's hit on that one really quick. Because, you know, this is another one that's been incredibly strong. This Dogleg album, Melee, uh, named after Super Smash Bros. Melee, by the way. Great album name. I mean, that lends itself yeah, right. I mean, fantastic. honestly... With, for a band that sounds like Dogleg, just follow the the template of Super Smash names, you'd be set. Brawl. I know. Dude, seriously. You like, know? It's, it's right there. Um, so Fox, the lead single, came out in 2019. Last decade, Jake. Last right. Decade. Yeah. You introduced me to this song. I was like, whoa, this song fucking rips. I can't wait to see what's on this album. In my mind, I was like, there's no way it's going to live up to this single, though. This single will be the best thing from it. That's not true. <laughs> the whole album rips. Yeah, I, I had the same fears going into this. So this album is a uh, complete other side of the spectrum from something like Halfway for like J Electronica. This oh, is like yeah. straight ahead, like basement show rock. It's like, it's like the way I described it before with the song Fox, and I feel the same about the rest of the album is like, 
this is a band if you could see at a at a basement emo and punk show it would be just a transcendent experience it'd be the best show you ever went to um, is a band and an album that if it came out in 2016 2017 at the height of our emo alternative rock phase it would have been among the very best of those albums too in my opinion yeah i think so and uh and it's only for the mood and the state of the world that i've not listened more than i have it's been that it's just been a little bit too on the carefree, not even carefree. Cause it's not like the lyrics are unencumbered by anything. Cause it's definitely like, you know, there's some emotion going on, but it's also like, it's, it's, it's propulsive and it's, it, it's energetic. And it's not always the vibe I'm into right now. These are unprecedented times though. <laughs> so, well, okay. Take away um, the worldwide pandemic that is unfolding in front of our very eyes. Do you think as an almost 30-year-old, um, that this type of music or this album would hold the same weight if the current events weren't happening? Um, well, I think you would also be like, yes, this is fantastic. I'm not always in the mood, though. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think, yeah, as time goes by, I am less and less in the mood perpetually for music like this. Like, I would agree. I yeah, would agree. That, that, that's a very good point. Because so much of what I just want to do now is honestly put on like an ambient album and not have to worry about it. Yeah. This is the opposite of that. Yeah, this is the opposite. I mean, it is, however, a collection of like really tightly composed punk songs or rock songs, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's very, very worth a listen. And if you're into those kinds of bands, like anything in the, the, the punk or sort of like maybe even hardcore a little bit or like uh, emo yep. in those, you know, in those veins, yep. it's going to be right up your alley for sure. Yep. And, and yeah, obviously Fox was an amazing lead single. I think Kawasaki Backflip uh, is a great opener. Yeah. Like hotlines as well immediately grabbed me. And then um, for me personally, War Turtle was a big one for me just because of the opening lyric. And I can always rely on this genre to speak to this. Hey, I'm late. Couldn't wake up before noon. For some, that's kind of early. But for me, that's nothing new. I wrote that so hard. I like the kind of slacker, depressed emo rock vibe that comes from an album like this where it's just like hey man if i wake up before noon that's a victory like i i relate to that too much and when a lyric opens a song like that like i'm just i'm so in you know also the war turtle title naming a song after a pokemon like that i was gonna say yeah the middle evolution sean between (laughs) squirtle and blastoise war turtle That yes. is that's especially that's very of that scene where it's yes. kind of it's kind of subversive in the way it calls in childhood media mm-hmm. and like nostalgia. Mm-hmm. That's very of that kind of scene. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, so I, I you know, Jay Electronica, Waxahachie, even Lil Uzi Vert to an extent. Um I've been loving those albums, but there is a place for dog leg there as well. Um, so yeah, that's been fantastic. 
Do you want to do some quick thoughts, Jake? Because uh, th there's been a lot of music that's been out here. Do you have any quick thoughts about this Father John Misty one? Uh, live album, Off Key in Hamburg, done as a kind of a um, charity release. Uh, he donated yeah. money for, for COVID. Yeah, I think it's incredible. I went on an absolute Father John Misty tear uh, two weeks Same. ago or maybe. Yeah, it was like a week ago. Things have really blurred for Dude, me. Dude, the days bleed now, yeah. I don't even know what day it is today. April Fool's, I do. Um, <laughs> Got them. <laughs> there we go, listeners. Careful out there. Roasted. <laughs> Watch your step while I'm, while I'm on the mic. <laughs> You'll be listening to this on a date that's not April Fool's Day, too. <laughs> Doesn't matter. A total waste. Nothing, nothing matters. No, no one's listening. Um, uh, so, okay. Absolute Father John Misty tear um, over the last couple of weeks. And um, this, it was weirdly timed because I, I started re-listening to Pure Comedy and then Honey Bear and then just all his albums a lot. Mm -hmm. Like I listened mm -hmm. to probably all four of them at least twice, some of them three times over the course of a week. And then this came out, which was this like kind of incredible culminating live album that has songs from all of them performed impeccably with a full orchestra um, the timing of it was a, a little strange in a way in like the, in the way in which like sometimes life doesn't even feel real where it's like, okay, right. I've been like all in on this artist and all of a sudden right. here's this live album that caps right. it completely. Um, but I mean, the performances are incredible and it's reminiscent to me of when we saw him at the house of blues in Boston, like probably three years ago, four years ago. Yep. Um, whenever the hell that was. Dude. Oh my God. It. It, it could have been last month for all we know. It would have felt the same. Yeah. I say um, Father John Misty, his band, they sound amazing live. It sounds excellent on this record. It really puts into context how many good songs he has and how many songs sort of sum up the surreal and absurd feeling of being alive um, in the year 2020. Uh, and I can't wait to see what he comes out with next. This felt like a good victory lap of the last decade of output for him. Um, and by decade, I mean since 2013 when Fear Fun came out, 2012, whatever. Um, Such a consistent run, too. Oh, absolutely. And uh, this live album was nice to sort of be like, whoa, this guy's put out a ton of great songs. His catalog is deep. Um, yeah, I, I, I loved it. So, so real quick, how long is this album? Because it's 20 tracks and some of his songs are long. I listened one time all the way through. It's got to be like an hour and a half. I was going to say, I think it is an hour and a half. Yeah. It's decently long. It's as long as, um, you know, a Father John Misty show would be. So True. Yeah. Um, other quick thoughts. Here's one. I'm not sure if you listened, Sean, to that new Childish Gambino album. I did not. And I'm interested in your take on this. I've never been a Childish Gambino guy. I love Donald Glover. I um, care more about, I think, his his screenwriting than I do his rap career. What were your thoughts on this? Um, so I, I have the same feelings about Donald Glover and I listened to this in just a, a caffeine high where I was- A, man, a manic uh, caffeine mania. Yeah, no, nothing can touch me. I'm the king of the world. I'm gonna listen to this Childish Gambino <laughs> album and I bet I'll- Now like tell me, Jake, did that mania last even the runtime of this album? It did not. Um, okay. Okay. It did not. I, it, so, oh, here's the thing. First of all, I, I don't want to be too glib. 
the it's not terrible whatever it's just kind of like the experience i've had with every childish gambino album i've listened to where i'm like by the end of it somehow i feel like i listened to nothing yeah <laughs> even though i know i worry yeah even though i know i enjoyed parts here and there uh-huh. and even uh-huh. though i recognize that there's things i liked about it somehow or other i can only ever greet his albums with some kind of mediocre response and it feels like that is in lockstep with how he's always received critically i listened to this before i saw any review almost intentionally actually just to see if i could what i would make of it i sort of knew you were doing that when i saw you listening i was like jake's getting out in front of this because he likes donald glover and i respected that i thank you thank you um I did not listen because I was like, if this is good enough for me to spend my time with Jake, will let me know. Um, I'm probably going to skip it, but I'm glad you listened. Yeah. Um, three albums for you that I'm going to put in a trio here because I have not listened to any of them enough or don't have enough thoughts. The new Vundabar album, a uh, Boston-based band that we really liked, came out. Um, this one is called... Either Light. Either light, that is right. Then we have this new Porridge Radio album that actually got a Best New Music on Pitchfork um, called Every Bad. And then the new Empty Country album, self-titled Empty Country, um, from the remains of Symbols Guitars. Each one of these is good in different ways. I don't know that any of them are exceptional. I think the best out of them is actually the Porridge Radio. Uh, I think the first three songs on that record are fantastic. I, I think all three of those will probably end up on my best of 2020 playlist in some capacity. You know what that Porridge Radio one weirdly reminds me of, though? is the Nilifer Yanya album from last year. Okay, I can kind of see that. Yeah, this is really good rock music, like indie rock, but like, Maybe I never want to listen to the whole thing, but there's like three or four great songs from it. Like, that's how I feel about Porridge Radio. Vunderbar, I still need to spend more time. And then I was pleasantly surprised by the Empty Country album, um, kind of coming out from the ashes of Symbols E Guitar as a band that we both like. I need to spend more time with that one too. Um, so, of these albums, the ones I've listened to are Vundabar and Porridge Radio. Porridge Radio, I listened to, I listened to both of them once. Um, and Porridge Radio, I sort of felt like, okay, I definitely like elements of what this seems like it's trying to do in sort of a political statement way or in kind of a subversive or mm-hmm. um, like uh, kind of a political statement type of thing. I feel like, you know, there's definitely some good songs on here. I, I, same as you, though. Like, I don't think I'm going to go back to it all that much. Um, and maybe I just, it's just not the kind of music I'm really all that interested in listening to often. Vunderbar, I thought, the, I got like kind of a new wave vibe from this album. You know, their last album was like harder rock. I would have put it more into like the emo alternative category. Than- totally else uh and that's that smell smoke that came out in 2017 which feels like a lifetime ago now either light i was like whoa they're they're like kind of pushing this in different directions that's not like exactly what smell smoke was yeah i agree and that's i got this kind of like I don't know. Maybe part of it is like the press photos that, that, that are with them now where they, they're in these like kind of like slim looking 
almost 80s kind of style outfits. Mm-hmm. And the music seems a little sleeker to me and, yeah. and, and melodically kind of like angular in a way that I, I compare mentally to New Wave. Now, I'm not like a New Wave aficionado, but it's mm-hmm. sort of in that vein to me, sort of. Um, so, yeah, that, those are the only thoughts I really have on those albums. The other one I wanted to bring up is this R.A.P. Ferreira album. I don't know if it's Rap mm. Ferreira or R.A.P. Mm-hmm. I guess they really are the, his initials. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the uh, former artist known as uh, Milo, yep. um, Rory Ferreira. Um, former and- classmate of mine, geometry, sophomore year, first semester, big show. That's right. You know, and I think your influence was probably, you know, second to none, none? In, in, <laughs> in, 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 in helping Rory find his artistic voice. You're absolutely right. But this album, I don't know if you listened to it, Sean. Did I did you? not. I did not. So this is, you know, if, if, you've been, if you've liked Milo's music in the past or anything that, you know, the Scallops Motel or Scallops Hotel um, releases that, that Rory Ferreira has put out in the past, it's more of a similar vibe. I really enjoyed it. I haven't gone back to it, um, but I, I do like it. It's more of that kind of laid back, very verbose, very articulate kind of stoner jazz rap. Mm-hmm. That's a very specific vibe. Mm. But if it's one you're feeling, this I, I would say there's probably not many artists who kind of do it better. That's that's cool. Yeah, that that's just one I've never spent the time with. I know I probably like a lot of it. Um, I think I, I sort of rely on you to be like, hey man, like I know you don't listen to this, but check it out. Yeah, I think the starting point for him, at least from where from where I'm sitting is the um that album um so the flies don't come yeah that's always the one you tell me about yeah um so now okay we've hit on a lot of these new albums jake um one of the things that we mentioned at the top was kind of refocusing or um enjoying music in a way that is sort of removed from the headlines or removed from, you know, the craziness that's going on right now. I think you have embodied this better than either of us lately. And I I, I want you to tell us about the deep dive that you've been able to do uh, on one particular artist here. Yeah. I'm going to clear the floor for you in a way that you were, you cleared it with a little Uzi Vert for me. Okay, so here we go. I'll try to keep this somewhat brief, I suppose. So over the past couple of weeks, I've been going on an absolute deep dive with the band. Um, the band, the band. The Bob Dylan's band from the 60s. Um, so most people, I think, sort of know the story of the band. They have a couple albums, music from Big Pink and their self-titled album, kind of the Brown album as it's called that are held in really high esteem. They're always ranked really high on best album of all times, uh, of best albums of all time lists and all that stuff. And they were albums that I, I never really broke through with before. I'd listened to them. I'd heard about their reputation and kind of the respect people had for them. And, and they never quite, I'd listen, I'd be like, yep, that was pleasant. I'm probably not going to go back to it. And I, or I just wasn't totally feeling the vibe. I don't know what it is. Sean necessarily about these last two weeks or what's going on in the world or the, if it's the coronavirus quarantine or what, but I gave music from big pink another listen and I gave that self-titled the band album another listen and something just like clicked in a new way in this kind of crazy way. I can't fully explain it. Actually part of it has to do with big shout to big friend of the pod, Mary Kate, who um, 
likes the band in like kind of a general way and would play songs around the house, like some songs from Big Pink, some songs from the band album. And so I had more of a foundation with them. So I feel like, so I've gone through this deep dive and I've, I've tried to like, I've had this experience that I hadn't had in a long time with a band where, and I don't know how many listeners can relate or Sean, I'm sure you can, where it's really all you want to listen to. And I'm sort of eating, sleeping and breathing the band right now in a way that like 15 year old me did with the Beatles or Led Zeppelin or there's nothing better. There's nothing better than, than hitting that zone with something. Um, I, and, and I'm always jealous when that happens to other people. It's a, it's, it's a crazy feeling and it's really hitting its stride now. Um, so I, I wanted to talk through a few things that I think have helped me shift into another gear with the band and kind of understand them more because I do think they are unique. They're singular in the way they appeal to music listeners and in the way they are great. So the first thing that I think is really important actually is like the cast of characters. So the band is a, is a five piece and they're not like a band like Led Zepp or like, I'm trying to think of a band with like a, like Van Halen or something where there's like a singular virtuosic or Jimi Hendrix, Bob Dylan, even, which is ironic given that they were his band where there's like a central attraction they are a five piece where every member brings something to the table. Robbie Robertson is the guitar player. Um, he was like this really, I don't know about virtuosic, but exceptional blues guitar player who for the band kind of refra- restrained his style and got more into songwriting. There's Levon Helm, um, Rick Danko and Richard Manuel, who are the three singers in the band. They, they sing most of the songs they all bring really different characters to their songs. Richard Manuel has actually like a kind of a heartbreaking story. The more I look into it, he is this guy who was a great piano player, really gifted musician and songwriter. And he has this really fragile, soulful voice. Most of his music is like based in in traditions of R and B and soul and stuff. And he has this incredible falsetto that he's able to, um, use in songs and he has a powerful voice otherwise and he, he actually killed himself in the 80s he committed suicide as he just descended into alcoholism wow, it just never got better and past music from Big Pink even by the second album his input to the band his songwriting is lesser but he's an incredible component so he brings some of that like soul in then there's Lee Von Helm who is the primary drummer and who approaches songs and sings from like this kind of country bluegrass tradition he sings songs like Up on Cripple Creek. He sings the lead on The Weight. He has that kind of like rich, kind of gravelly, country, bluegrass type of thing. And then there's Rick Danko, who has this kind of like, almost like proto, um, a little bit, I said new, new Wave earlier about something else where, um, or glam rather. Mm. He has this kind of like shrill delivery, this higher register in his voice the other thing that they all bring to the table as singers is that they share the stage in all these different songs. Like there's somewhere they'll, they'll sing solo, but they're always kind of harmonizing. One's coming in for a part and out for another part. And it bleeds through all these different songs and throughout the albums. And so all of them aside, then you have the fifth member of the band who's Garth Hudson, who is this kind of virtuosic multi-instrumentalist who played the Lowry organ and it brings this character to all their songs in a way that like not many other bands have. He could kind of just play anything he wanted. He plays horns on some of the songs. He's just one of these dudes who's just like flat out gifted. 
mm-hmm. doesn't sing anything. And there's like songs like Chest Fever on Big Pink, um, where he has this crazy organ intro, really sort of dark sounding classical almost. And then he drives the groove on up on Cripple Creek. He uses a wah-wah pedal with his mm-hmm. um, clavichord, which is like a keyboard. Um, wow. And he really like sort of revolutionized how keyboards are played in music and like for a, a, a whole bunch of genres. So that's, that's sort of the cast of characters. And the reason I think that that's important to understand is that with most bands, I feel like you can associate a person or a couple people with it and you can kind of latch onto that character. With the band, that was always harder for me. I could never get a grasp of like, I feel like as someone who wants to understand bands, I was always like, well, who's the guy? That was always the same for me too. I had a really hard time latching on or understanding. I always knew, hey, Robbie Robertson, but like he's not actually the guy. You know, and it took until recently for you to be like, oh, no, no, no. It was actually all of these guys. That's what makes them cool for me to be like, oh, okay. They're, you, they're, they're, I love that they're called the band because they truly are just the band, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And they all bring something like sort of special to the table, instrumentally, vocally, whatever they do. And it's actually a huge bone of contention in years since that Robbie Robertson has songwriting credits for most of their songs. People like Levon Helm feuded with him until Levon died Mm. because he claimed that like Robbie lived off these songwriting royalties for years. And a lot of them died with not a lot of money and and like with alcoholism or substance abuse issues. Uh, Rick Danko and Richard Manuel both died young and Levon Helm died like five, six years ago. Um, and and Levon actually like really held it against Robbie Robertson, who coasted. He left the band um, and started doing film scores with uh, Scorsese. Actually, that's right. And he made money off of the songwriting royalties for songs like "The Weight" and "Cripple Creek," which got really famous. Or the night they drove old Dixie down, where Levon Helm and other members of the band claim like, "Look, we." the we all had a hand in this you may have gotten the songwriting credit at the time none of us valued that as much back then mm. the thing that makes the band special is that we all play these songs so it was a huge bone of contention for yep. years and it's actually kind of wow. a sad story so a couple other things um the albums themselves i finally pushed through on these they're, they're sort of distinct music from big pink is this really sort of beautiful and impressionistic blend of different styles of music that kind of became known as Americana. And some context I didn't really have before is that like other bands were not playing music in this way. I think it kind of seems now that we look back and you hear songs by the band and it's like, oh, well, that's sort of always how rock or folk or country sounded. It's, it really isn't the case. The story, the sort of legend is that Eric Clapton heard music from Big Pink and quit Cream because he was like, that's how music should be played. It's like they, the, he realized the band approached their music in this kind of communal way. None of them were trying to steal solos or, or play over anyone else. Everyone served the song. And that comes across on the album for sure. Everything down to the album cover, which was painted by Bob Dylan actually, um, has this kind of hazy, um, blurry, I, I say impressionist, impressionistic, where it feels like this blurring of all these different roots you know soul country folk genres all together it's really worth listening to and then the self-titled the band 
is probably their best collection of pure songs. It has The Night They Drove All Dixie Down, Cripple Creek, like I mentioned, Across the Great Divide. It um, has this excellent collection of songs. Levon Helm sings more on that album. Um, and so the last thing I'll talk about is um, the movie The Last Waltz, which is a really important part of their story in that it is the jumping off point from they made these albums in the sixties, big pink, the band, they're kind of like this mysterious group for a while. Actually they couldn't tour because Rick Danko got in like a car crash. And so they, you know how we've talked before about how fleet foxes to us felt mysterious. Yeah. When we first heard their first album, that's how the band was. Cause this album came out and other musicians loved them. And a lot of music listeners got into this album. They were like, who's making this music? And they, they couldn't tour because the bass player, Rick Danko, and one of the singers was severely injured. Hmm. And so they actually built up some more mystique. So anyways, The Last Waltz is this movie they filmed in 1976. It was released in 78. Scorsese directs it. And this is central to a lot of the like tensions between Robbie Robertson and the rest of the band. Because Robbie Robertson is this like film buff. He's kind of like the guy who drives the vision of the band in a way. And has like you get the sense that the other dudes in the band just want to play music and they are like yeah. exceptional at doing that. And that Robbie Robertson also is, but he's like, he's kind of the Paul McCartney. He's kind of the guy in the band who he can see the forest for the trees and he's kind of like, all right, but like, here's where we're going to go next guys. Like we're going to do this thing next. So Robbie Robertson decides we've been a band for 16 years. We're done touring. This is going to be our last show. We're going to invite all our friends. Eric Clapton's going to make an appearance. Bob Dylan, Ringo Starr, Neil Diamond, Van Morrison, uh, Muddy Waters. All these artists, uh, Neil Young, make an appearance in this show. They each get a song. um, And that will be our last sort of waltz. And so this is um, a, a documentary. You can stream it on Amazon Prime if you have it. It's incredible. It's really good. But a couple observations. It's very, very Robbie Robertson heavy. It's clear that he, you know, with his interest in film, had a real connection with Scorsese. He's interviewed more than anyone else by a landslide. He is on screen more than anyone else by a good amount. Um, Someone like Richard Manuel, who in the early days of the band was the primary singer and one of the primary songwriters, is all but sort of removed from the movie. Hmm. Um, And so after that movie, they say, okay, we're not a band anymore, whatever. Robbie Robertson moves on. He lives off the royalties for years. Um, And the rest of the band actually has to, just to make money, start touring again in kind of a lesser capacity in clubs in the 80s and 90s. And it's during that period that Richard Manuel actually kills himself. Um, So Levon Helm, until until he died, held Robbie Robertson in contempt to the extent of he says, basically, dude, you are responsible for the outcomes of all of our lives because none of us wanted to stop playing. You did it as this kind of Hollywood move. Mm. So anyways, the, so that's a fascinating element. So all that to be it, really the whole point of this is that, you know, it's a, it's a weird time right now. It's a scary time, but there, there is so much richness in music and in bands and in the story of musicians that you can dive into. And I think that I was reinvigorated in a way that I, I haven't felt in a long time about a musician. Um, and it's been really, really exciting. And I can't recommend enough to people to just, tr- just give it a shot with these albums and it won't click right away. It didn't for me. And it's taken many, many 
tries like over the years of listening to big pink and listening to the self-titled album for it to finally be at the point now where every morning i put it on yeah i'm pumped I, to be listening first of all i have to say this is a very well done recap of their career and what they're all about because i did not personally have this context i think a lot of people probably didn't i also have to say I had never been able to get into the band previously when I tried. I've listened to their self-titled. I've, I've listened to music from Big Pink. It took you giving me that playlist of kind of the intro tracks of what to listen to to get into them and songs like Across the Great Divide, The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down, um, on top of the songs that I already knew, like The Weight and Up on Cripple Creek and I Shall Be Released, to really be like, Oh, like I almost had to remove them, those songs from those albums and hear them on their own to have the context. But it is very rich. It is worth going back to. And I, I appreciate that breakdown. And I love that you are having this moment right now. I think that's incredibly important. Hell yeah, dude. Thank you. And I'll just say that as a final concluding thought, I think the, the linchpin for me, the thing that really sold it was understanding Richard Manuel as a musician and as a person in the band and understanding his importance and what he brought to the group. I never, cause you hear the weight and you hear up on cripple Creek and it's like, okay. Or the night they drove old Dixie down. Those are all songs. Levon sings. Those are their uh, slightly more commercial ones. It's mm -hmm. on the songs like whispering pines or I shall be released or lonesome Susie, which is on big pink that, Richard Manuel as a vocalist shines where he has this, I, I described it before this aching sort of desolate falsetto and soulful voice. And those are the songs actually in a station is another one on big pink. There are these songs that, that sew together the fabric of this, of the other kind of more rootsy straightforward music. And I think it, it and when I say impressionistic, that's kind of what I'm talking about on big pink there's yeah. these songs that, I almost compare some of it to like Frank Ocean-esque. Like the song In a Station has this kind of lilting, like mysterious musicality to it. And his voice is mysterious as well. And so I guess that I'll, I'll cap it off by saying that was the, the last thing that I finally clicked into gear. And I was like, oh, Richard Manuel is this dude who was brilliant and was cut down in his prime and actually is a major factor in the band in a way that you don't ever hear about. Like no one talks about that dude. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. Uh, excellent. Excellent recap. Thank you for that. Um, very happy that you have found them in this time and that you kind of get it now and you've helped me to get it more. Um, to, to sum up our show, I wanted to round out with a quick release radar for you, Jake, for April 3rd of 2020 new music never stops um i will categorize these next four albums that i'm about to say as albums that i am interested in but i know for a fact none of them will rank in my top 10 by the end of this year this is the classic like no man's land of like yeah i'm gonna listen to these but i i can't say i'm overly excited we should we should predict which one we'll like most i want your pick when i when i rank these and I'll give you mine. The first one, uh, Yves Tumor, Heaven to a Tortured Mind, of course. Um, that album, what, what, what did that get on pitch for? It was like a nine point something. 
It was uh, insane. I don't remember. Nine something. Yeah. Uh, next one, Thundercat. It is what it is. Uh, Purity Ring with Womb. And then Empress of. I am your Empress of. Uh, Jake, what, what, which, which one are you most excited for? Which one do you think you'll like the most? I'm sort of most excited for the potential of the Empress of album. I think I will ultimately end up not loving any of these and by kind of default liking the Purity Ring album most. Yeah, so I think the easiest ones to enjoy are probably either Empress of or Purity Ring. I think maybe this Thundercat one has a chance to to like... Thundercat's great, obviously, but I'm never quite in the mood to listen. I think this one, based off of some of the buzz that I've been seeing, is like, hey, maybe this will be like your the Thundercat album. So I'm hoping for that one. Reality will probably be Purity Ringer ever. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that was uh, the COVID-19 lockdown episode of the Listening Podcast. I think we can probably try, I mean, if this works remote, Jake, we can do these yep. whenever we want, really. We will see how the recording comes out. Yeah, yeah. But this was great. Good recap of everything that's been out there. Hopefully we continue to get good music coming because uh, God knows we need some respite. But this was great. And uh, thank you for listening, everybody. See you next time. Thanks, everyone. Okay, we are recording. Okay, uh, we're back on the mics here. Uh, That's right. In the midst of COVID nineteen lockdown, we are, we are not together. We're not. This is the first podcast we have ever recorded remote. Um, I will reiterate this when we actually start the podcast. Yeah. So we just did a pre pre show. That that one was for you and I, like where you yeah. be like, hey man, like this is fucked. And let's talk about the ways. Let's have a little bit more fun with this pre-show now. Like, things are still fucked. Like, let's not mince words here. Like, this is unprecedented. It's scary. It's anxiety-inducing. Even if you haven't lost your job, gotten sick, you don't have to be on the front lines, you're not a medical worker, et cetera. Like, like we don't have to deal with any of that right now. Um, it's still hard and it's still weird. And I just want to say, if you have gotten sick, lost your job, been truly affected uh, by this in a way that we haven't, shout out to you, hang in there. Yeah. Um, but it's hard for everyone right now. Um, let's talk about a few things. Life in lockdown, Jake. Couple questions for you. One, what is the thing you miss the most about not being in lockdown? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, it would be like stuff that was called off, like hanging out with you and, and, and our big friend sweet. of the pod, Matt, a couple yep. weeks ago. It's stuff yes. like that. It's like gathering yeah. with friends. It's it sure as shit is not going to the bars. The, no. other, the other thing is like... Is you like Tinder hookups. <laughs> that's what I miss the most. <laughs> we hit the gym, <laughs> bumping iron. <laughs> no, well... One thing is like maybe restaurants a little bit. That was going to be mine outside of just like friends, family, whatever. Like that goes without saying. I think mine would be like going out to eat. That was a huge component of my life. Yeah. 
actually made me sort of question it because I'm like, wait a minute, you spent how much money every month on that shit? And mm-hmm. it's like, I liked it, but is it that hard to eat at home? No. <laughs> it's really not. One thing we've been doing that, that's kind of good is we've been getting uh, HelloFresh deliveries. Oh, how is that? They're great, dude. They, honestly, like, look into it. It's not that much. Interesting. We got, like, a gift code thing, so we got, yeah. like, $90 off, like, oh. X number of orders. And that's pretty good. Um, I also, like, sort of selfishly, I don't miss going into the office. Sort of I do. I miss it. In moments, but honestly, I like working from home a good amount. I do too. I think one of the interesting things that's going to come out of this uh, culturally is people being much more willing to just accept remote learning, working, um, therapy, health, yes, etc. This is going to speed up the adoption of all those things in a real way, which I think is actually great. Because, like, the excuse for everyone before was, like, you know, we really can't have uh, you working from home because of uh, insert bullshit here. (laughs) Actually found. is oh, no, we can just all do this every single day, and it's fine. For the most part, depending on the type of company you work for. Right. Not everybody, but for a lot of jobs. I'll tell you what I miss. Uh, Touching my face, which I still succumb to. I can't. So let me ask you this. You've okay. Let's say you've been in lockdown. Like you haven't been to the grocery store. You haven't been anywhere for four days. Let's say it's been like, are, are you even at home? Like, Oh, I shouldn't touch my face because I touch my face all of the time. Well, it, dep- it depends where I've been. Yeah. It depends where I've been. I have okay. also stopped as much as possible. And you know this about me. I'm a big time nail chewer. Do it. Yep. My, my hands have never looked healthier. Jake, Jake is picking up a nail clipper for the first time. Big nail clipper. They, these, these hands are looking normal and like <laughs> generally healthy. Wow. I have, like, I have like fully formed nails, which never happen. amazing. Okay. I have never understood the people who are like, yeah, I've never clipped my nails. I just bite them because I no. have never been able to actually bite through my nail. Oh, really? Ever. Ever. I don't know if I have strong nails or what it is. You probably have strong nails from never biting them. I, I think that might be it, honestly. My yeah. nails feel stronger in the time since I've been yeah. biting them. I, I would, the way I bit them was almost like it would be like, kind of like filing. I can, I, I have a visual in my head that I am seeing right now of you biting your nails. And it is like, yeah, like the, it's not, it's not this. It's not like the cliched, like I'm biting. No. It's it's like it's a different angle. Yeah, I, I, it's not like a uh, what's what's a, it's not like a a pair of scissors coming right. straight down. It's kind of like right. a file. Yes. Now my brain misses it. I don't miss it. I want it to be gone. But the the instinctual part of my brain that has that formed a habit from the time I was three years old to bite my nails and fingers wow. every day. I like I go to do it and pull back. This is good for that. And haven't you broken this habit multiple times? And then- I'm, I'm very afraid of backsliding again. Yeah. I, backsliding. I mean, look, if it happens, it happens. I don't think you're going to get sick if you start doing it unless you are like, oh, I just went to the grocery store and now I'm biting my nails. I'm long. biting my nails in the produce section. Right. Like maybe don't yeah. do that. No. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say going out to eat. The other thing uh, that coronavirus has forced upon me is home haircut. So you might 
so that I have I have a shorter haircut now. I was scheduled to one the weekend when this really sort of became serious. And I was like, mm, I'm just not going to go. Um, so last weekend on Sunday, Kara and I, mostly Kara, cut my hair for me at home. Looks good. Look dapper. Thank you. Thank you. And then I gave myself a beard trim. It was a lot of hair. Just a lot of hair on the kitchen floor. Yeah. Yeah. Looks good. I have not done that, as you can plainly see. Um, I had kind of just like been in a mode of like, let's just let it see, you know, let it go past the medium length. Yeah. Which sometimes I'll do. I'll go a little longer. And now that I can work from home until May, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to like see how far I can let it go. So that was my logic with like, well, okay, let's say you cut your own hair and it comes out awful. Well, you can just buzz everything down and it won't really matter. And you can that grow back in by the time anyone would even see you. And that's true. Don't think it would look bad if I even buzz like this top part down. Oh, dude, maybe now's the time. Cause you know what I've been like kind of fantasizing about lately is like just having an actual short haircut again, like just short. Dude, I haven't had to do a fucking thing with my hair in four days. But I mean like straight up like just like an inch long or a half yeah. inch long everywhere. I would look yeah. like an idiot. Like I would look ugly, ah, truly ugly with that. You never know because like we change over time, you know? That's, right, that's true. It's <laughs> <laughs> very charitable of you. Um, uh, other things I miss uh, that I sort of always took for granted was just being able to go to a movie theater. Me too. That I love. It's sort of an ace in the hole of like, well, I can always go see a movie. That's on the table. Um, the, the going out to eat thing is the biggest. Uh, what I wanted to ask you about was, so you mentioned like you're talking about your barber and how that yep. you had like an appointment set for around when the news started to hit. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about the feeling of, I feel like the night shit hit the fan, the kind of you'll remember where you were when X happened moment, probably first of many in this pandemic. Um, was it's actually it was the night of March 11th. Tom Hanks. It was like uh, uh, two years ago. Yeah, different era. Yeah. Um, Tom Hanks came out and said that he had it. He and his wife had it. The NBA suspended all play. Rudy, Rudy Gobert. Gobert. Rudy Gobert. That was, that was the night. That was the night. And it was okay. like. And I remember I texted you. I texted Matt. I was like, "What the fuck? Like, what is going on?" So what I, I'm interested in, and that's why I assume some in, listeners, if there are any, would be interested in is like what that felt like. So for me, I had gone to a show, a friend's show in Dover. And it was, it was at a bar. I kind of, a, it was a decent place. I won't say the name of the place, but it had like these like black leather couches, which is a little gross. It kind of had like a- <laughs> And you know, they're not real leather. They're, they're yeah. faux leather. You don't want a black light on them. I'll say that much. Um, <laughs> This was somewhere between a bar and a club. Anyways, so the bands are playing, and there's probably like 30 people there. Don't drop the name. I I live very close to Dover now, Jake. I need to know where to avoid or where to go. It was called the 603 Bar. It's not bad. Okay. Okay. I don't think I haven't heard of that. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. It's just a place. But, um, but, so, okay. So these tweets start coming out about the NBA suspended its season. Yeah. Tom Hanks has it, whatever. And it starts to kind of like the news is spreading around the bar and everyone's kind of reacting at once. And I realize all at once that all the fears I had about going to a bar during this are real. And yep. this is the last place on earth I want to be right now. And I had like a real moment where 
I stepped outside and was talking with, with my friend Trent, big friend of the pod, and we were just talking mm-hmm. about how, like, it's going to get weird now, and, like, stuff's about to really hit the fan, and, like, I hope – you know, we're, you know, having those kind of conversations you have that sound silly in retrospect where it's like, can, could I grow my own food? Like what happens if everything right. crumbles and we have to really take stock of our lifestyle? And then we were texting you and Matt and, and everyone else, Josh. Do you think even having that conversation, you understood what the next three weeks would hold? It was the first moment where I started to let myself imagine what it could be like. Okay. Um, I, I did, I mean, it felt, that's when it felt like, okay, this thing has penetrated the U.S. to an extent where it's at least normal enough that, like, these athletes have it. We know there's cases, and at that point, there had been, like, two cases in New Hampshire, and they were both in Rockingham County. Yeah. Which is, is for reference, where I was at the time. Right. And so I was like, fuck, like, someone here could have that. Right. Someone here right. could have been in contact. We could all now be exposed. Yep. I don't know what I've been exposed to. Like, who knows how prevalent it is? And and the truth is, is like, th- that's kind of accurate. That's sort of how oh, this thing oh, has 100%. been spreading. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. What about you? What was your experience? Um. Yeah, it was the same. That night was kind of I think, the turning point night. Um. And after that, it was sort of like, okay lock it down. Like by that weekend, I was like, all right, don't fuck around with this anymore. Like just, just lock it down. Um, so yeah, I I would say that it was very, very similar. That was the turning point for me. I was going to ask as well. Uh, well, first of all, big shout out to Trent. I follow him on Instagram. He's been doing some great videos of potting plants or like these very just wholesome sort of like, um, I'm going to do these slice of life videos that to me are very much like these are tangible, real things. It's a moment of calm uh, amidst chaos, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just this plant I have and I'm repotting it. I was like, I feel you dude. Like I've been doing that. I've been repotting my plants. They're thriving. I've yeah. been able to tend to them every single day working from home, I get to water them like better than I would have before. And I, like, I I relate to that shit. Um, My other question for you is what are like three or four things you can point to that you're like, that's how I'm spending my time. During all this? Yeah. So I've taken, um, so first of all, working, like literally every single day. Outside of work, because like, able to work from home i think that's like pretty boring actually um, it, it is boring outside of like work which you would have to be doing anyways now that you're not able to go out anywhere you can't go out to eat which you know that was a big social thing for us uh going to shows going to bars like that will take yeah. up table what are you replacing that with? i got you we uh so we've been watching some movies um and staying up to date on some of the shows that we've been watching i saw for the first time we watched the squid and the whale I Jeff Daniels in that movie is amazing. Jeff Daniels, actually, I actor. So I've been binging a lot of TV shows. The newsroom is one of them. I've been flying through the newsroom. I recommend it. I think you'd really like it. Especially yeah. if you like Jeff Daniels and, and squid and the whale. Um, His character such a prick in that movie. Dude, and he's like the same way in the newsroom. It is so funny. I love in squid and the whale. when he's like, very dense, very dense stuff. Yeah, yeah, and it's Meyer. It's Dickens. Lesser Fitzgerald. Lesser, that's right, Lesser, yeah. <laughs> um, 
we, so I have felt most comfortable and sort of free from everything. Oddly enough, when I'm outside, just not near people. So like yeah. every day at lunch, I've been going for a run. Yeah. Even like just no matter what. And just the same run, same three yeah. mile thing. It's nothing crazy. It's not going to like, I'm not going to shed pounds from it. Right. But it is like a moment of solace I have. And That's we've been important. also taken the dog to the state park, which I, we talked about earlier and yep. we've gone on some walks. That's been good. Podcasts have been good. I'm actually more behind on podcasts than I thought I'd be because they're coming out fast and furious. Cause they're like, Hey, we got, I have to say this has been a boom for podcasts because we got to get creative now. What are things we can do? And I'm actually more interested in the new creative ideas that they're starting to put out than that than what they would be doing normally um podcasts have been a big one for me i've been trying to do more reading as well um i've been watching tv shows i i've been flying through the newsroom i only have one season left of that i've been keeping up to date on better call Saul, which has been so good nominal this season um I've been keeping up with high maintenance as well. A few other shows, some movies, etc. I've been playing video games as well. I, I got a Nintendo switch for Kara and I for our anniversary. She's been playing Zelda. Um, I've been playing super Mario Odyssey. I beat Bowser and now I'm just picking off power moons left and right. Um, I just hit 400 power moons out of the like 850 you can get. So I'm like not even halfway through and I've spent a ton of time on that game. Uh, we also just got Animal Crossing, uh, which is a balm for for these trying times, Jake. It's the most wholesome, sweet, nice game. Kara's been playing it more than me, but like it's one of those games where if you're just like around someone who's playing, you're still getting the effect of it. I feel like it, it sounds like it has a similar effect as something like Joe Para or something. Definitely. Just soothing. Like we, yes, yes. Except like, honestly, like even more so because Joe Para is tinged with like a lot of sadness. Whereas Animal Crossing is just like all wholesome all the time. Yeah. Um, two things I thought I would have done more of. Reading. I mm-hmm. still have like a chapter left in this Dark Knight Returns book. For some reason, mm-hmm. I just haven't taken the time to finish it. Yep. And video games, I thought for sure, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll be playing Mario. I'll be playing, yep. uh, you know, uh, Zelda on my N64 that I bought. I still have not picked it up. And That's I'm not okay. sure why. So even though I've been playing more games, I thought I'd be playing more too because I was like, oh, I'll, I'll really get into Red Dead Redemption 2. I'll be able to dive into that. I've done like the first level. That's it. I was like, oh, I'll play Knights of the Old Republic on my PC. Haven't even opened it. Like, there's all – of course, I'm never going to get around to these things. Well, me neither. That's the t- one of the tough things is, like, all the media I want to consume in all different yeah. formats that I know I'll never have the time to do. Because the truth is, like, on a work day, other than being home, the routine's not really that different. It's not. It's and not. the stuff I have normal yeah. exposure to and normal access to is not that different. Like if you weren't carving out time to play video games before, why would you now? Right. So two things. Uh, so I've been reading more news. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Reading more uh, of the New York Times subscription I, I paid for a few months ago. has been paying dividends. Yep. Also, I, I, this is interesting to me. It's not really that interesting. Yep. I, in like February sometime, I was at the Kittery Outpost. 
and I yeah. bought finally after like years of saying I wanted to do it and just forgetting, I bought a new pair of slippers. Hey, what a timely investment, dude! Oh a my pair god, of slippers was like I I I got my pair on right now. They're so fluffy. They're so comfy. I don't have mine right now. It's necessary. But dude, oh my god, a new pair of slippers. <laughs> Especially as they're starting to wear in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Yeah. And it's just like the perfect timing. It's like, hey, like, guess what you're going to be doing a lot now is like being at home. Yep. I got a question for you. Yep. I'm going to ask you this. Sure. I've been getting a lot of guff, Sean. <laughs> okay. From my live-in girlfriend. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it. Is that a, is that a pejorative phrase? I think so. What does that mean? I think the implication is like you. So when you say live-in girlfriend, I think you've been married before. You are now divorced. Oh. You've met someone much younger who has moved into your home that you bought with your wife. (laughs) Uh, That's not my situation. I don't even think that's necessarily true, but that's like, I think you could read into it that way. Okay. So whatever the case, Mary Kate gives me a lot of, guff sean for wearing jeans while i work here at home okay i say yep so okay for the first half hour of work most days i come out in my pajamas yep i'll check my email i'll check my email i'll respond to a couple i'll check slack maybe say a few things whatever i'll go brush my teeth get ready for the day then i go put on jeans because Mm -hmm. i feel more fucking a part of the world me too. I feel disgusting <laughs> when I have not changed out of my jeans past like 10 a.m. Um, Your pajamas? I, I, my, well, yes, my pajamas. So I saw a really funny tweet, actually. I think it was Phoebe Bridgers. Oh, so for uh, another way that I have been um, spending my time is this whole situation has pulled me back into Twitter life. I'm out. Where- I'm reading it all. Where are you on Twitter? Are you just not liking anything? Not, not in. Inter- I'm a lurker on Twitter right now. Whoa! So you're not I'm out there. You're not throwing a like at anything. No, not yet. Uh-huh. Not yet. And I'm not as like I'm not reading everything like I was before. It's like I'll miss stuff. I'll check in. It's like Jake circa 2016 version of Twitter for me right now. That's how you got to be with Twitter. So I'll miss things here and there. However, I'm back in. I think Phoebe Bridgers was like, if you have put jeans on at any time over the last 14 days, you're the chief of police. <laughs> okay, that's exactly the tweet I was going to bring up. That made me laugh and, so hard. So I think that's hilarious. However, I could not disagree more. Okay, same here. I've been wearing the same pair of jeans for like eight days now. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm going to care about this too. I was like, I don't know, but I like wearing jeans. And she's like, no, I do too. Like, yeah. Like, you know what it is? Is it makes the pajamas feel comfortable by comparison. Yes. Like, yes. And it, 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 when I put them on at whatever time, 8 o'clock, 7.30, depending on what I have going on. one thirty p.m.? <laughs> <laughs> when I put them on, it feels special. It's like, all right, we're here. Exactly. It's like you need to keep that, you know, you need to have some kind of structure. The other thing that has been happening to me this week specifically, this wasn't happening before. I have forgotten to brush my teeth in the morning every single day this week. 
I end up brushing my teeth at like 4 p.m. Because I'm like, oh, fuck. Like my mouth feels gross and I don't know why. And I'm like, oh, because you forgot to brush your teeth this morning. Because what ends up happening is I wake up. I usually have like a 9 a.m. call I need to be on. Doing that. Then I get coffee. Then I'm like eating breakfast. Then I'm like into my day. And I'm just like, well, you threw your jeans on and you put like a sweater on over whatever like t-shirt you happen to be wearing to bed. Now you're just in your day. And then I've like forgotten to like get ready. Um, and that includes brushing my teeth. I get better about that. That's the one thing where in the morning I do it to start the day. I feel weird if I you don't. have to. You have to. But that's, I, I think everyone's different there. Everyone has different sensitivity levels as mm. it relates to that. I can't like kind of do it. I can't stand the way I feel if I don't. Yeah. Um, For me, it's like once I've eaten and had coffee, I, I can like easily forget. If I eat and have coffee first, yes. Yeah. But I wake up with my mouth dry and all I can think about is how rancid it must I know. Smell. I know. And so I just, I'm like very self-conscious of it. And I like, I retreat quickly to the bathroom to take yeah. care of it. That's smart. Um, what, what, what's the, so with work from home and then we should probably get started. Yeah. You, I'll just wear t-shirts on calls now. I don't even, I, I, will too. I don't care I will anymore. Too. I'll just wear pretty much whatever. So, uh, my, a majority of the time I wear either just a t-shirt or I throw on a sweatshirt or some kind of sweater over my t-shirt. That's what I did today. I have, I just have a t-shirt. Yeah. Same. Like, dude, I wore my, I wore my, just like, I wore this to bed last night. This just, (laughs) it's just the, the logo (laughs) t-shirt with just, I love this shirt. It's so simple. It's just the Patriots logo. You would think that'd be much more common. Dude. It's actually like outlier t-shirt. Show me a sports t-shirt that just has the logo dead center on your chest. You like can't. <laughs> so I wore that to bed last night. I woke up. I had a 9 a.m. call. I threw this this sweater on over it. And then other times I'll just put on like a hoodie over it. And then before I cut my hair, I wasn't combing my hair or anything. Yeah. It was just, I was wearing uh, uh, hats. I was wearing a lot of hats. And I was I- like, I count on my headset right now to kind of yeah. pull my hair back a little bit yeah. and it'll kind of hold it like this. Yep. And for on any call, you can't, it, does, it just looks like I kind of have normal hair. My hair's actually pretty fucking long right now. It's very long right now. I was going to say that on Friday when we all were on the call. Yeah. But you, but like, I feel like on a call, it's not that apparent unless you like are looking for this. Right. Like down right. My head. right. Yeah. So yeah. Wild times. Bizarre uh, times. So yeah, let let's let's definitely dive in here. Um, I think the takeaway is there is no takeaway. It's chaos for everyone. It's hard for everyone. Uh, we we still have a ways to go. I, yeah, I'm not even positive what we just said. To be honest, no, 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 me either. And when we look back on this, we're gonna be like, huh, they were uh, innocent then. They still didn't know what they were in for. Right? Yeah, Jake was still alive. <laughs> oh my god, dude. Like we, if <laughs> fuck, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna address. That. Can't acknowledge it. 
All right. Ooh, these nails are calling out to be cheap. <laughs> don't, don't. No, 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 no. You know what the problem is, too? And this is the last thing I'll say, the very <laughs> yeah. last, is yep. that the stronger they get and the better they are grown out, the, the more tantalizing they are to chew. I know. That's the problem. They are, right now, they are in just, like, such prime shape to be chewed. There's angles I've never felt oh, before. man. Man. Mm. Yeah, stay strong there. Uh, yeah. Do you have a nail clipper? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Clip them down. I, oh, I do. I do. I clip okay. it down. Okay. It's, not, it's not a matter of people who say that don't say it like they don't own a nail clipper necessarily. It's like, it's like they just, when I was biting my nails all the time, I, they were just always so low that I yeah. never needed to. But when they grow out, like I have one for my toe. I'm not chewing my toenails. Uh, fair. Fair. Could you imagine? What if I did? Dude. Would you be friends with me? Um, I probably still would because I think you'd probably keep it a secret and I just wouldn't know any better. And I'd be like, ah, it's just Jake. Um, that'd be gross though. I appreciate that. Uh, okay. Let's, let's go ahead and dive in here. You're okay. All right. Yeah. Um, wait a minute. Are you going to be able to edit this? Yeah. It's just like an audio file. Okay. Okay. It'll be just like in garage. So you st- I'll still count it down. Yeah. And what I'll do is it'll, it'll just show up in garage band as a long file. I'll just clip yep. it. Okay. Okay. So we'll see. I don't know what that fight. I don't know. I've never tried this. So we're, uh, yeah, this might be the lost episode. This might never see the light of day. Yeah. Or it wouldn't be any different than any other episode. Very true. Um, all right. Three, two, one.